0: Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Competitive Enablement Show on the Compete Network powered by Clue, the podcast for product marketers and competitive professionals looking to give their companies a competitive advantage. I'm your host, Adam McQueen, and today is the start of win-loss month on the podcast. That's the crowd in the back, Ben. That's the crowd in the back clapping. I do, I do excited. actually,
1: I do have the ability to put in some sound effects here, Adam. So let's see how this works. Um, how's that? How's that? Not bad, hey? We're really we're like really that, stepping yeah. up. Season three, baby.
0: We've got all, we're pulling out all the stuff. So people <laughs> are excited. I'm excited. And Ben, first guest on Win Last Month, Tira sir. Senior director of product marketing at community brands and friend of Clue, friend of the podcast, and just all round fun person to be around. A great,
1: a great example of doing compete and win loss at the same time. Um, she built both, prog- both programs up at the same time uh, and uses them together when it makes sense and separately when it makes sense. Uh, and she really knows what she's talking about, um, particularly liked the part where she explained uh, sort of the impetus between moving from an internal win-loss program to an external win-loss program. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, it's something that really resonated with me um, and I know will resonate with with a bunch of other product marketers and a bunch of our listeners who just kind of don't have the space or the skills for it. You know, I think um, one of the things that I've learned a lot about win-loss in the last little bit is just how. Specific, the skill set is, you know, interviewing is a specific skill set. Data analysis is a specific skill set. And it's a lot for someone like a product marketer who's already across a bunch of different things to take that on as well. So really found that part interesting.
0: Tira is great as well because, I mean, a lot of the audience are working on win-loss, working on compete, maybe doing both from scratch. We actually get a couple of um, questions from the community in regards to that. And she went through it. She launched compete and win-loss in tandem together and kind of tells the tale of someone that's gone through that and the benefits of doing both together. I personally loved building the business case. You know, I'm a fan of the business case. And honestly, nowadays, when we're thinking about um, getting budget resources, even just like support for an initiative has more scrutiny than ever before. We've talked about it a ton. And she shares this very simple but applicable um tactics for how you should build a business case really justify the investment in compete when lost that whole initiative together plus she is a blast she was a blast before before we started recording we shared a couple stories that we'll never see the light of day and was our most concise rapid fire respondent you think
1: I think so. I think, you know, I think a lot of the previous rapid fire, uh, lack of conciseness, that's all on, on us. Uh, let's not blame (laughs) the guests for, for the bad rapid fire questions, but I think we're really in a groove there. I'm really enjoying writing the rapid fire questions. Uh, And having you not read them until you're live within the interview, I'm taking immense joy out of that and will continue to do that.
0: It's all for your pleasure. This whole show is for your entertainment and enjoyment, Ben. All right. Enough of us rambling. Let's get into our conversation with Tira Schweitzer. All right. Today, I am joined by the Senior Director of Product Marketing at Community Brands friend of the podcast, friend of Clue, and an ever-present face in the Compete community. It's Tira Schweitzer. Tira, thank you for joining me.
2: Thanks for having me again. Excited to be here.
0: Also, for folks listening, we're recording this on a Tuesday, It's snowing where I'm at, unfortunately, in Vancouver, and Tira, as a Floridian that is relocated to the Pacific Northwest, you're just creeping your way towards us, I need some affirmation that it's a great place to be out here, so give me the best thing about moving from Florida up to the Pacific Northwest.
2: The best part, hands down, is not sweating every single day.
0: Do you get the frizzy hair?
2: (laughs) No. It's like my hair loves it. It's it's amazing. I thoroughly enjoy um, being able to walk outside and not just immediately start sweating.
0: Well, okay, that's <laughs> slightly better. But I just had to walk my dog right before this recording in freezing snow, and I'm like still like mildly numb. So
2: my dog refuses um... to go. <laughs> he's like he's like outside, and he's like, mm, I don't think so. Back inside we go. You-
0: you clearly don't have a Husky like I do, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so the real reason we had Tira join us, other than we was, I just want to chat to her, is that you were a part of a live show we did a few months ago, actually, with the brilliant Brandon Bedford on our team and Paul Sanatori. And you were chatting about running win-loss, running, running win-loss specifically with Compete, how the two combine was a very, very, very active session amongst the community. And it was a bunch of questions that never got answered because there were so many. And as we were preparing for season three and we're doing win-loss month for the month of February, we were like, let's get Tira and let's resurface some of the questions that weren't answered. So you ready to dive in?
2: Ready. Let's do it.
0: All right. First one first. We have from Brittany. She says... If win-loss is being driven by product marketing, how do you get that buy-in from sales leadership and bring them into the process? I
2: think it comes down to something really simple, which is involve them in the process. So one of the things that we did right away when we started our win-loss program was we knew that for it to be successful, sales leadership had to be on board. And so we brought them in early into the conversation Um, So we are a portfolio of uh, brands. And so uh, we have about 13 different products in our division. And so what we did was we started with one sales leader, one product. um, And we just, like I said, as soon before we signed the contract, we walked through like, what is it? Uh, How is it going to help us? And really, I feel like what resonated the most with sales leadership was we did the math of if we could improve our win rate by 1%, like what does that equal and what does that look like? And as soon as we kind of showed the value of just like 1%, like that's super easy, right? Um, They were like, yes, like we want to be part of it. And then since then we have had um, either a member of sales leadership or a member of the sales team, um, that has joined us for every round that we've done. So we kind of do products, different products throughout the year. Um, so the one product we started with, we just kicked off the third year. And so each round, the sales reps been involved with us with our third party and consultant going over the questions again, like, is our interview guide still on point? Like, are there other things that competitors are saying about us that we kind of want to check? Are there, you know, things that our competitors are saying about us that we want to see like what what's going on? Um, so I think having them part of the entire process um, is what really ha- sells them on it.
0: I like the, can we improve our win rate by 1%? I think it's even like, you can't improve what you can't measure. So it's even like that 1%, we don't even know what an improvement of 1% is unless we're really reporting on this and like putting time and investment behind it. You mentioned there having sales involved in the entire process as well. Without revealing any secrets, is there anything that you've noticed, like the most valuable insight or learning that's been uncovered that sales have been able to implement into whatever their process is? Yeah,
2: I think we, we have learned so many different learnings. But I would say for one of the products, you know, not uncommon, that people didn't know the difference between us and our number one competitor they knew a difference in like the process and the you know the sales team and how demos went and things like that but when it actually came down to the product ex- itself they really weren't seeing that difference um, so that was a huge insight for us to learn and really changed a ton of our marketing tactics as well as the sales uh, process
0: I mean it also does a Great job of highlighting the importance and value of compete, the other the other arm of what you're doing there, Tira, too, hey? Yes. I like that. What other, um, this is another actual question from Brittany. So you talked about sales leadership specifically there, having them full process, not just I'm going to report to you on this basis, having their skin in the game. What other cross-functional groups have you brought into the conversation?
2: So these other groups we haven't brought in necessarily through the whole process, but they're definitely part of the readout and, you know, kind of next steps. Product is a big one. Product is always part of our readout. Um, They always have access to read all of the interviews um, demand Gen, of course, our digital marketing team, customer uh, success, and I would say probably the group that has like really dug in the most to our compete program besides sales has been digital marketing. So that team is one of our highest users of our Clue Battle cards, and they're one of the highest readers of our win loss reports besides sales
0: interesting why
2: competitor landing pages seo
0: really yeah this is this is interesting i mean the the marketing team i i don't know maybe it's because like obviously at clue where we you eat your own dog food drink your own champagne uh, insert metaphor like so myself on the marketing team yeah we are obviously consuming a lot of the competitive content that our manager makes and being a part of those exercises but it's interesting to hear from your standpoint that after sales that your digital marketing how do you make things actionable then for marketing in terms of whether it's actually just compete, competitive insights or win-loss insights so that they can use the information and actually put it, put it into action in their own role?
2: Uh, we do a ton of like content ideas with our demand gen teams. Um, so just you know, here are great blog articles, white papers that's going to complement all this information that we know from Compete. And then, of course, competitor landing page copy is, you know, probably the biggest place. But I would say content is probably the biggest place that we partner and really make it like actionable um, for with uh, demand gen.
0: Interesting. Um, going back to sort of that readout piece that you mentioned, now you do win-loss readouts. What's the um What's the cadence for that? And are you, do you establish a sort of smaller group, and who's within that in that smaller group for the readout? So
2: because we're multi-product, so we usually do like a chunk of interviews for one product at one time. So we do that readout after each kind of round is complete, and each round you know varies um, depending on how long we've been doing win-loss interviews for them, et cetera. So that's kind of how we do the readout is by a, you know, a chunk per product. If we did it for one product all year round, I would probably do it bimonthly like every other month. Cause I think sometimes at quarterly it gets a little too old. So if I didn't have multi-products, that's how I do it. But how we do it now, you know, we do the around, we do a readout. Um, and so we typically start with a leadership for that product. So it's the general manager for that product line, the product team, head of demand gen, customer success, sales. So we do it with leadership first. Um, and then we take it to all of sales. And then we um, do it with marketing as well.
0: You mentioned uh, you mentioned product there actually. I've got a question around so win loss insights. I think when you think about the applicability, win loss and competitive insights to sales, even marketing, they're slightly more short term, usable in the short term, tactical, applicable. When you get into product feedback and things like that, like the product team has their roadmap built out. And it's a lot more longer term. It's not as like, oh, that's the thing we need to do. It's not that simple. So what is that partnership or relationship like with the product team when it comes to competitive, like what competitors are doing and also what you're getting from all of these win-loss reviews?
2: From a product standpoint, um, I feel like we've been pretty fortunate. in any feedback that's come back was already on the roadmap. So I feel like win-loss has given a lot of validation to product team of our strategy is right, we're moving in the right direction, the things on our roadmap are exactly what we need to be focused on. So again, I feel like we're very fortunate in that that's the feedback that's come back. Uh, we haven't really got anything. There's people that mention like UI, UX, but I feel like that's really hard to quantify. But other than that, like, feedback is, yes, we're on the right path, that there hasn't been anything like, oh, you should like do this one off crazy thing that they have to think about and, you know, determine if they want to do it or not.
0: It sounds to me that your product marketing team is must be doing a great job of relaying the voice of the customer back to product. Hey,
2: thank you. I'll take that. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take that.
0: (laughs) We'll be right back after a word from the Compete Network. Hey
1: everyone, I'm Jason Oakley, co-host of Compared to What? A show where my friend Federico and I dive deep into the all-important tool in a product marketer's toolkit, the comparison page. We guide you through real life examples from brands like Shopify and Big Commerce, Chromecast and Airtable, Asana, ClickUp and more. Taking a look at the good, the bad, and sometimes the ugly along the way. So come watch Federico and myself on season one of Compared to What? Only on the Compete Network.
0: All right, back to the show. It is interesting, though. I like that because often we talk about like the context of like what needs to change. What do we need to do different? Competitors are doing this, we need to do why. But also, just I like that point—the validation and affirmation that you're on the right path. There's oftentimes with people in their role, you're like, "Am I doing it right? Is this working? Is this landing anyone? Right. Bueller? Anyone?" And like that, off, that moment where you could be like, "Product team, what you're doing is working, and that's what the market wants, and it's the reason we're winning today." So actually, I, I do like the, that is not here. Here's a slew of recommendations. Shift your product roadmap, because that's where you're going to get a lot more friction. I have a question from our friend Dustin. And he mentioned, he mentioned that you mentioned during our session many months ago. So rack your brain. I hope you have a photographic memory. He said that you mentioned doing both internal win loss and external win loss. So how do you use both of the internal and external? So I
2: think where this came from was <laughs> so for us at Community Brands, we have evolved our win-loss um, program. So we started as a DIY inside, uh, you know, internally, and then we moved to an external vendor. So one of the things that actually attracted me to community brands and the role was the fact that win loss was a priority for the organization, and it was actually part of my job description for product marketing. So my job was to develop, you know, an in-house program from scratch for one product, you know, simply work with sales, develop a list, reach out to them and have a conversation and boom, we have all this insight. Well, It does not work like that at all. Uh, You need time, you need resources, and you need skills. So, as a product marketing team that does, you know, we're generalists, we do it all. Win loss is one more thing that competes for time, right? Like the priority of it. So, that time was a big piece. We also originally didn't have a budget for an incentive. Like, you have to have an incentive. People don't. Nobody wants to be that nice, really, and just talk with you, Uh, which is fine. Um, (laughs) And you need really great interview skills. And I feel like personally, for me, it was not a strength. A win-loss interview is totally different than a case study or just a customer interview, right? You know what product areas of your product need improvement. You know that someone's talking to you because they like you. So it's really easy to have that conversation. Whereas when loss, I felt like it was really hard for like mama bear not to come out. Like, what do you mean? Like back off my people.
0: It's so true. <laughs> yeah. It's so true though, because you have like, not even, even mama bear tear coming up, but even if you were able to check that at the door, you're going to have unconscious biases. It's just hundred percent. You can't avoid no. it. No.
2: And l- I did not have a huge success with it, doing it internally. And I think I only ended up with like one or two actual interviews. And it was the most painful experience of my life. I could not get those people to say anything. I'm like, can I just get one usable quote, please? And nothing, nothing. So uh, so switching that internal versus external is really big. And I will say I have talked to some folks who have done internal. And one of the things that they said was really what really made them successful was they have trainers come in and mm-hmm. train their staff on how to win loss interview. For us, I'd rather just use some experts externally. And it works fabulous for us. So that's kind of where we shifted from internal to external was we didn't we didn't have the bandwidth and we didn't have the skills.
0: I mean, it's like the the very, very true cliched saying of the product marketer with a million and one things to do, right? It's like you have to make bets. And what are the bets that move the needle most for you? I mean, even if we use the context of Clue, like so many people come in, like they don't want to waste their time manually collecting all of this information. You want to be doing more important strategic initiatives with said information and it's similar with the win-loss like that's time-consuming interviewing and there's a whole new skill set so it's like but i know that this is our skill set as product marketers compete professionals in that in that kind of realm this is a good segue actually to nico's question she asked about i know you came into the world community brand so it might be a a little bit different for yourself here uh and that would have been a few years ago right Mm -hmm given the context of kind of the state of the economy now, like budget is scrutinized more than ever. She was asking, how did you get budget for win-loss specifically? But if you could also shed some light on maybe how would you build that business case for win-loss in today's climate too? If you were to start a new, fresh community brands don't have win-loss and you're trying to pitch that. So
2: the way that I approached it, my experience is like I literally picked like... All the cards fell exactly as they should have. But originally we had one ask. Like I had one product marketing ask for this year, for that year, and it was win-loss. Like I want to do one pilot program. I'm only asking this amount of money. And I took our growth product, not a struggling product. So our number one growth product, the one we were seeing the most success with and said, What if we can have a 1% increase? And so by going with the growth product and not, you know, a product that may be struggling or just doing, you know, flat, that really helped seal the deal. And because we started talking about all the things that a compete program would have, and then you start thinking, okay, well, what if we had our, you know, centralized battle cards and we, you know... So then we got the budget for Clue without me having to ask because we had kind of set this stage of all growth products, like 1% increase, like here's how that comes out. So we ended up rolling out both at the same time. And I think that worked really well because while you're building all, all your battle cards and stuff, your interviews are being conducted on the side. So we kind of rolled them out at the same time because our team could focus on battle cards. We had someone externally focused on the interviews, and then we could take that information and put it into our battle cards. So that's kind of the long story. But with today's economic, I would totally still go with that. Like, what's our growth product and really center it on that. I think it's the easiest to justify because if you you do the interviews and if you hype it up enough in the company, everybody else then starts requesting it. So when we started Loss, we did it as a pilot program. We did 10 interviews. Let's see what it is. Let's see what happens. And we really just hyped the hell out of it. I mean, every single meeting, we talked about it, we gave a quote from it. And then you had other product lines who were like, I want that info. And we were able to like move around some marketing dollars for some. We had other product lines where GMs were like, I will find other money from my P&L to make it happen. So I feel like if you start with that growth, you can get some really great feedback and then you spread the news and Like other people want it, and it just kind of turned into this, you know, big project.
0: When you say growth, you mean like um, like a more one of your more successful products? Is that what you mean by like growth? That's it. Almost feels like counter logical. You're like, why would we do win loss here? This is where we're most successful. Yes. But is that because one, you know, you'd have a bit more positive momentum as like a good fit there to kind of build that internal hype, and two, you actually saw the it has the most opportunity for revenue increase because it's successful in the market.
2: Yes. Both.
0: That's really interesting. What I love about um, what you said to start with there is when you come into the conversation, when you're pitching this and pitching for budget, winning that 1%, you've outlined like the strategic objective to start with, right? It's not like what this can do for Tira and her pains of today. You've translated why it matters to the business and the people that really hold the purse strings too in this situation. And then it ladders down to, okay, like this is how competing win loss the, the kind of bit more of the weeds. But if you really anchor it, I think you mentioned it several times, Alec, we want to increase revenue or win rates by 1%. And that's the thing that you can kind of hammer home in that situation. I mean, it's something I've heard being more successful in tougher times, I think right now, for sure. Yeah, for sure. You actually, you actually kind of answered the next question a little bit here with uh, Raina, But if you want to elaborate a bit more, so in her, her context right now, she's trying to restart compete and win-loss again as one person. Stuff's done in bits and pieces. She asks what you recommend tackling first. I know you mentioned that you really enjoyed the kind of approach of doing both simultaneously. Is there anything else with that? for someone in her context right now, like, why do both and maybe some like tactical advice on how to get things off the ground on both because I'm assuming from Raina's situation, actually, I know Raina. Hi, Raina. If you're launching from like some tactical advice for launching from scratch on both of these things, because it might seem daunting, but I think there's like a flywheel momentum effect of doing both at once.
2: Yes, I would always say do both. (laughs) And now that I've done it, If you outsource interviews, if you do interviews internally, I can't imagine doing both of them unless you literally did nothing else at all. Never went to a meeting, never had back to back meetings. Those don't exist. But if you had to, if you had to do them internally and you had to choose, I would lean to where my strengths were and where I could show the biggest ROI and the biggest impact first. So if I had to choose, I would I would go with what was my personal strength, so that you could show that ROI fairly quickly. But if you had the ability to do both of them, I think what really worked well for us was we worked with uh, win loss first. So here's our list. We did the interview guide. They're off to the races in interviewing, and then that's where we started you know, building battle cards, et cetera. And we rolled our program out incomplete. Not that they knew it was incomplete, but like for us, you know, our contract of X number of battle cards, we didn't publish all of them before we rolled it out. You know, we did, I think three. And one of them was an experiment to just see if people were reading it, to see if they would give feedback. Half the battle card was asking for feedback. So that helped also kind of start the com- start the conversation more. But I would say, you know, you don't have to do it all at once. Like roll it out in phases. And if you had to choose, I would definitely lean towards my own personal strengths.
0: I, I like that just sort of eating the elephant one bite at a time there. Uh, uh, about Like a couple of battle cards. Make sure they're successful and expand. We've talked about that a bunch on, on the podcast. Tira, it's time for producer Ben's favorite segment of the show. Are you ready? Okay. It is rapid fire. And now for the listeners, because last time Ben messaged me this morning, cackling to himself saying that he loves me not knowing what the rapid fire questions are either, because that's what happened on our last recording. Um, So I'm going in blind with these, as blind as you are, Tira. And we're just going to fly off the hip. And Ben, if you get me in trouble, it's all his fault for what I say and what you say we can all deflect a bit perfect okay Tira first one what is your most superstitious superstition
2: I have to have an aisle seat on a plane
0: that's just aisle logical seat. that's just logical. cannot deal what with a, I wouldn't have you on the show if you said you sit in the middle
2: well nobody likes the that's, middle but I don't like the window either don't put me in the window aisle
0: what's your favorite role prior to your current one?
2: Um, I would say probably my favorite role prior to community brands was um, back in the day, I used to do uh, fundraising. And so I was the director of development for Big Brothers Big Sisters. And so I had a fabulous time uh, schmoozing people, asking them to give me donations and money. But probably the best part was... um, I made lifelong friends with bigs and littles. Um, I was matched with my own little sister, and we're still friends today. She's 23. She's kicking butt. First real big girl job. Um, First generation college students. Uh, So I'm super, super proud of her. Um, And that's definitely my favorite role. That's
0: incredible. (laughs) What is a better coast, west or east? West. West. You heard it here. Tira's. Tira's word is law here. Yes. So West Coast, Best Coast. Uh, all the Toronto folks at Clue. Just let you know. If Side note, Tira, people, like a little Canadian fact, people in Toronto, ride for Toronto. They'll let everyone know in the world that they're from Toronto. Uh, it's just because they're jealous that they don't actually get to enjoy nature or weather or live, yeah, have a fun life like Vancouver. Remember,
2: I used to live in Florida. So all the Toronto Canadians came down for vacation. <laughs> so yeah, I know. They'll tell you they're from Toronto.
0: Oh, they'll let you know. They'll let you know. I see you, Lauren Chambers. (laughs) Give our listeners a book recommendation.
2: So I am a really, really big true crime fan. And so uh, one of my favorite books is Anne Rule, The Stranger Beside Me. Uh, But if you do not like true crime, and you cannot deal with like, details, I would not recommend reading it. But If you're down with true crime, you're a murderino or a crime junkie, you're going to love it.
0: A murderino. A non-recommendation recommendation, (laughs) recommendation courtesy of Tira Swartz. Last one. What's your prediction for the Super Bowl?
2: No idea who's even playing. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I'm going to go with the team on the right.
0: The right side team. Anyone? Sports fans? (laughs) Right side. Not left side. Okay, better yet. Yeah. who is it gonna be heads or tails to coin flip? Tails. Oh, all right, lock it in. We'll see. Tira, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for joining us again. Where can people connect with you, reach out to you, send you fan
2: mail? I'm on LinkedIn like everybody else and their brother. Um, so not cool enough for like TikTok or anything like that. But yeah, LinkedIn's good.
0: You can get to her on LinkedIn. Thank you so much and we'll catch everyone next week.